Hi, this is Sherry Chris. I'm excited to be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now Connect is coming to you. Find out details at Inman.com. Hi, this is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. I'm super excited today to have with me Anthony Shea, Chairman and CEO of Loan Depot. He's also the founder and that for me is particularly special. I love founders, people that started companies from nothing. Anthony, welcome. How are you today? You know, Brad, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really good. To, it's good to see you. You're, now you're in Orange County, right? Newport Beach or somewhere like that? Yep. Yep. Not a bad place to be stuck, but uh, yeah, Newport Beach. Oh, that's good. And uh, am I right when I say I've heard you guys are really leaning into this because there's obviously a lot of demand, at least for refis. I don't know what's going on with the purchase market, but give us the lay of the land. What's, what's going on with the, the refi purchase market? What's, what's going well and what's holding you back? And, and you and I have been on the same page for a long time. How do we digitize this damn mortgage process? And it looks to me like at least in part of the real estate transaction, we're, we're seeing that happen. Whatever Brad Inman you know, railed about for 20 years didn't matter as much as a pandemic forcing the hand of, of digital uh, transactions. But let's, let's first, what's going on in the marketplace that you're seeing? Well, let's see. Uh, you know, we're going on week seven, week eight, as the world changed. Uh, you know, put it put into context, right? I mean, we are the liquidity of the housing market. And, uh, you know, what has happened over the last seven weeks, Brad, has never been done before. I mean, the entire drill of uh, mortgage lending and particularly independent mortgage banks that now hold more than 50% of the market uh, supporting liquidity for housing. And Anthony, that would be... That'd be like you guys, Low Depot, it would be quick and to give, give my listeners, when you say independent, who is that? So I know. Independents you know. are non-bank. Gotcha. Right? So, so America, not all yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden in the middle of March, uh, because of COVID, there was no prior drill. The entire industry, not just us, the entire industry had to go remote. And how that, that, how that uh, really played out was anybody's guess. I mean, hmm. if technology in our industry was not prepared, housing would have absolutely fell on its nose because we couldn't have fund loans. Wow. So the good news, what we don't see and what we had to go through is within, seven, within 72 hours at Loan Depot, we pushed 7,000 employees to work from their home. Yeah. And we're talking technologists, we're talking funders, underwriters, loan processors, loan originators. And, you know, we're holding our breath thinking, what is going to happen? And fortunately for the country and for our industry, lenders continue to do what it's supposed to do from the comfort of their own home. And we continue yeah. to fund loans. Gotcha. So although the remote workforce worked, liquidity was drying up because of market panic. And we can obviously go into that more if your listeners are, are interested. Anthony, but... tell, me, tell me that was unrelated to the infrastructure moving to home, the liquidity issue, right? That was a bigger looming, dooming sort of scenario, correct? Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, you, you, labor and workforce working from home instead of working from office 
is a fundamental change that has never happened to financial services and, and, and housing before. So fortunately for all of us, it continued to work. And we figured out a way with appraisers and, and closing agents to make all of this happen, including funding and wiring out, you know, two to $300 billion a month right now is what the industry is funding. Wow. So we continue that going, which is phenomenal, right? So on the other end of it, you know, and I'm sure all of your listeners have felt that one way or the other, uh, overlays, higher credit requirements, uh, jumbos, uh, non-QM, non-agency product is all drying up. And then, of course, with the interest rate volatility that happened in March and the subsequent instability of the liquidity on the back end, uh, everybody was trying to raise cash. That was when the stock market was falling. And at the same time, there was a lack of appetite or buyers for mortgage bonds, which is ultimately where mortgage companies gets its liquidity. Right. So the liquidity stopped. And then there was a massive dislocation between interest rates falling, but mortgage rates actually rising because there was a lack of liquidity until the feds came in and started buying mortgage backs. And that was like three or four weeks ago, right, Anthony? That's correct. And then, and then the industry had a complete whiplash. And many companies, because of trying to hedge in their pipeline, um, and I think most of your, 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 your listeners will you know, understand many companies have gone from locking an interest rate on day one to now locking interest rate later down the pipeline process, just because the industry had a complete whiplash from uh, interest rate exposure. And many mortgage companies went out of business, including two to three publicly traded REITs. Oh, they did? Yes. Has that been public? Real estate investment trusts have gone under uh, because of this whiplash. Because they just, and, and where would that hit them in the nose? What, what were the exact circumstances they go under? Volume being nothing or are the- uh, it's, not, it's not the volume, it's actually the interest rate volatility and the hedging involved with such a movement. And they, and they made mistakes in the hedging and, and got in trouble then, right? Well, it's really, they didn't make mistakes. It's just when you have, you know, when you have a category six storm hitting you, you know, yeah. your house was never built for that. So how it was, was substantial. How did, you, how did you do through this? Are you, are you guys okay? Or? You know, we, we've, been, we've been really fortunate. Uh, you know, I, 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 think, uh, I think the difference is, this is something that uh, I've been through um, many, many times. Obviously this one is very different. Yeah. Uh, but we made some decisions uh, throughout this process and we, we've been very fortunate to be on the right side of, of, of our decisions and our, our company uh, recognizes the, the, the value and the responsibility that we have to our industry. And, um, and we are actually uh, growing uh, during this time. We, we made the decision three weeks ago that we're comfortable enough now, Brad, um, to see enough of this new normal and uh, so we, we've decided that we're, we're going to scale into this market. And so is it possible when we're through this, Anthony, that the bank mortgage lenders that were the dominant, right? You and Quicken and the rest were big players, but not the biggest players, correct? Is it possible that the Wells, the B of A's and whoever else 
are going to give up shares more permanently to people like you? Are you are you all in a position to build scale or scale these things so that well, we're going to see a structural shift in mortgage lending? Yeah. So currently, the top five retail lenders are three banks and two non-banks, and the two non-banks is no surprise is ourselves and 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 Quicken, who are fantastic competitors. Um, keep in mind that post financial crisis, you know, of, of 12, 13 years ago, banks now have a, a fundamental business model that's well diverse. Mortgage lending is a nice to have to a depository. Mortgage lending is a must have for non-bank lenders such as ourselves. We don't get a mortgage loan, we don't eat. It is our fundamental business model. Where banks now have so many ways to generate revenue. Mortgage lending is just part of it. Mortgage lending to banks is opportunistic. And when Dodd-Frank was created and so much complexity in CFPB, you know, banks didn't see mortgage lending as a positive opportunity. Some did, most did not. And that's why they backed out of most of it. Well, and they you guys jumped in. I'm sorry? And folks like you and Quicken jumped in. Absolutely. So now independent mortgage banks as an example, and, and don't hold me to this math, but directionally it's correct. Independent mortgage banks now have over 50% market share in which number one and number two, Quicken ourselves, have only about a 10% market share combined. So the rest of the independents hold 40% market share. And that's so, a very fragmented group of banks across the country? Uh, a fragmented non-banks across non the country. Right, yes. right, right. Ab absolutely, yes, that's correct. And tell me this, so you have access to capital, right? To make the yes. loans, because yes. you, you make them and sell them, right? Is that secondary market still operating efficiently? We, we do. The secondary market right now is not operating efficiently, but it's operating with enough velocity so that independent mortgage banks can continue to lend. However, part of the greatest asset for independent is the mortgage servicing rights, the MSRs. MSRs for the course of the last 10 years have been sort of a preferred asset class that many investors come in and buy MSRs. But because of what's happening to COVID, there is lack of cash coming in to buy MSRs. So most mortgage companies now are holding on to these MSRs, which again, creates a liquidity problem because mortgage banks and a, lot of, and a lot of risk for you, right, Anthony? It is. It is. Anytime you're holding the paper, you're holding more paper than you ordinarily do. Absolutely. The more an independent is challenged with creating liquidity, the less it has the capability to lend. Yeah. So this is where, and, and then of course we haven't even talked about the biggest elephant in the room, and that's forbearance. Yeah. So the forbearance well, issue is still a riddle to us, and we still don't know the, 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 the risk. And the danger here, as we know from 2010-11, is forbearance. There wasn't much forbearance then. Forbearance this time turns into foreclosure, and then we got the same mess on our hands we had before. And I, I just don't understand how that wouldn't happen, unless the government just totally pressures the banks. But... Well, here's the biggest issue. Okay, yeah. the biggest issue is kind of like the way you know when I was a when I was a kid and I watched movies where a police officer, because it's chasing a suspect, stops you in your car and says, "Hey, Brad, give me your car because I need to chase down 
a bad yeah. guy, right? But they use your car now for up to 12 months and you're still ma making the monthly payments. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's what's happening with forbearance is that our government is telling homeowners that you can skip your payment up to 12 months with showing no hardship, but the mortgage companies such as ourselves, we, we need to continue to make the payments to our investors. Our investor bought an asset and they want to, to make the money of the interest rate on that asset. I can't imagine some of the phone calls you must be on, Anthony. <laughs> I, I bet this is a, this is like four dimensional chess. I mean, every day, every hour, there must be from interest rate movements to liquidity to policy. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here for the mortgage industry. It is a constant, constant riddle. And we, we, we are all in this together because if, 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 if the mortgage industry can't figure this out, there's no liquidity to buy homes. Hi, this is Joe Rand. I'm excited I may be coming to your home soon. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find details at Inman.com. How close are we to something that disastrous? We're a lot better today than we were four weeks ago. Four weeks ago, it, it was, it was, it, it was pretty bad, Brad. It was pretty bad. So on the purchase side, if there's a transaction, there's not a lot right now, but if, and there are transactions, there always are. People need houses, they sell, buy, rent. But if I brought a buyer qualified to you today in Palm Springs, that loan can be underwritten? Yes, and it's, it could be underwritten digitally these days. So the process of a loan is actually getting better and better. It's so the liquidity and the product availability. It's the liquidity, which is velocity, as well as product availability that is currently shrinking. And the shrinking is, is the, uh, what do you call it? Not the, not the luxury loan. What's that called? The, uh, the large yeah. jumbos. The jumbos have been squeezed, right? Jumbos have been absolutely squeezed. Meaning if you want to buy a million dollar house, you can't finance a million bucks, right? You can, it's just much harder for you to get. And if you were looking for a $2 million plus loan, it's that much harder to get because there is no law um, against you know, forbearance on jumbo loans right now. So if I, if I fund a $2, $2 million jumbo loan, there's certain states like New York that says, if, if you fund a loan for $2 million, you have to give this person forbearance for up to 12 months. Why would you make that loan? Exactly. So this thing's still pretty broken. It is. It is. We, we are in the top of the second inning. Do you see, I mean, I was impressed. There's a lot of smart mortgage policy people. There's always been a lot of crooks too in the mortgage space, but, and you and I've seen them over the years, but like, who's figuring this out? Like, is it someone in treasury or Fannie or Freddie, or is it the mortgage bankers? Or, or, do you feel like the smart, I mean, the smartest people in the space are, are sorting this out to not only get us through the next 60 days, but maybe make sure the whole damn system isn't injured into the future because this, this kind of gives me the chills, a little scary what you're talking about here. It, it is scary and we do need to be concerned. And certainly there's lots of criticism being thrown around, Brad, but overall, I think it's working out okay. Um, you know, between, uh, regulatory bodies and mortgage bankers association and other trade groups 
I think there's enough collaboration to understand some of the challenges that we have. Supporting housing is a fundamental strength to this country. Yeah. So yeah. to have that damaged, uh, you know, knowing that unemployment is rising, incomes are falling, and defaults will be rising, but just to have the backbone of housing deteriorate, that, that would be awful for, for not only our industry, but, but for the country. So I that'd have faith double, and confidence. That'd be a double blow. I mean, we've frozen the economy and now we kind of frozen the demand for housing, but if people can't fund it, that would be like, God, that would be the, the uh, that would be scary. Absolutely. And you, you as well, anybody knows that, you know, in, in, in a transaction in real estate, you know, how, how many jobs it supports yeah, any transaction, right? And, yeah. and the refurbishment and, 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 and the upgrades and the new carpeting, it just, it's it tons and that's going to slow down, but we need to bring liquidity back so that it can, it can come back up. Yeah, for sure. Let's just, uh, we're running out of time. What are the three things that need to happen but before we get to that, the digital part of this, this is happening, right? It is happening and that's gonna survive after this, right? It's not just Corona digital time. Some of the stuff that we've always wanted to happen, do you see that holding on and, and surviving after this? Yes, absolutely. And right. we're, we're fortunate as, as, as an industry to have some of these technology tools built uh, for you know, when Corona happened. You know, it, it would have been much, much worse. Now let's go to like, what are the three things or two things or even one thing that must happen now so that this kind of broken ship with some leaks in it can sail smoothly over the next, just through the rest of this year, at least what, what's some things you say, you know, Washington must do this. We must do this. What can, is there anything you, you know, I don't know if it's reform or what, what is it that we need to make sure happen that this isn't broken and we don't get into that death star scenario that you just described of, you know, um, the housing market not functioning. Well, this, this, this country is, a, is we're, we're tough. Americans are tough and, you know, we will persevere. The issue here is during panic, then all bets are off. Yeah, I believe yeah. the shock and awe panic is over. Now we're trying to figure out exactly what to do here to build ourselves up. And I right. think the country is doing that. I believe the industry is doing that. I think the collaboration between the private sector, our industry, and our elected officials is working okay. Not great, but working okay. And I do have confidence within the next weeks and months that our industry and the liquidity and the stability is going to return. Now, the affordability, income, unemployment, that's a, a slightly separate matter. That, but, yep. you know, three weeks ago, we felt comfortable enough that we can predict sort of the stability returning into some sort of a new normal. And we're kind of managing through that now, but I would say the panic has vacated. So now it's just a matter of just building things back up. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Anthony, you're always so insightful. And uh, I, I always feel better after I talk to you that you and some other folks like you will make sure this doesn't <laughs> fall apart. And I always congrats on your success. I love your story. Um, you know, you came here as a young boy from Taiwan. Did, do, do I understand it right that you as a young man for your family negotiated transactions on behalf of your family? Was that because you spoke better English or give, give me some of that color? I don't know the details, but I, you know, I love the immigrant stories that 
Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my parents are Chinese, and we came here. I was aged, uh, I was eight. I'm, I'm the oldest, uh, oldest child and the only son. So I learned English fairly fast as a child, age of eight. So, you know, during their business transactions, uh, particularly buying homes, uh, I was the translator. So arguably, I've been a loan officer since the age of 10 because uh, I've been translating, you know, all types of uh, uh, financial language. And I understand early on how important it is for a consumer to get an honest financial product. And that's just been embedded into sort of my fabric and what's important um, for the industry. Uh, it is very easy to pull the lid over someone's eyes uh, on a dishonest financial services product. And I'm proud of our industry and I'm proud of uh, our lending community specifically over the course of last 20 years to move the needle towards a much valuable and respectable and honorable product. There you go, man. Transparency. I love that story. That, um, to get that early training, just love that. Hey, Anthony, thank you so much for, uh, for being here and uh, really, really appreciate it. Will you stay in touch with us and keep us posted on what's going on so we can publish it at Inman News. And um, thank you very much, Anthony Shea. He's the founder, the CEO, the chairman of uh, Loan Depot, which was one of the fastest growing independent non-bank mortgage lenders. Uh, and this is Brad Inman checking out.